0: Hi, I'm Alex L. and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. girl. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Hey Didier. Hey girl. I love that you said that to me. That's amazing. How are you doing?
1: I I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. I'm doing well. I'm doing beautifully. Thank you. It's been a really lovely day so far. I'm sipping on my tea and just happy to be here with you.
0: Oh, my goodness. I love that. So it's such an honor to have you on the show. I don't normally have men on the show, but when I do have men on the show, they are bomb and just awesome so I cannot wait to speak with you and learn from you and share this space so before we get started why don't you let the hey girl listeners know who you are and what you do
1: Alex I'm honored I'm honored that you invited me just given the unusual nature of having men on and um, yeah it's I feel super grateful just to share this space with you and to learn with you so I am Didier, Didier Sylvain. I am a leadership trainer, life alignment coach. Um, I am based in Los Angeles. Um, My life's calling, life's mission is to create and hold transformative learning space for people to step into their power and give their gifts to this world. That's what lights me up. And every day I get to journey with folks, Back home to the truth of who they are. And it's a real honor and blessing to get to do this work.
0: To the truth of who they are. Mm.
1: Are we about that? Like I think that's what we're about. Like we certainly that's what I experienced from you, Ris, in your in your guidance and your teachings and your meditations and your writings. I think we're up to something similar that for many of us, it seems that there's an ongoing journey that we make continually from a story of who we are to a truth of who we are
0: Mm.
1: not to say that the stories that we've developed or internalized from systems of oppression or past experience or trauma or just life not to say that those stories are bad they've served us often (laughs) Mm -hmm. and uh, we get to continually make a movement to say all right if that's a story what's the truth
0: Mm. So I want to peel back some of that a little bit more and talk about the difference between the story of who we are and the truth of who we are. How would you describe that to folks and how would you encourage people to lean into the truth versus only looking at the story?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I would say, you know, the the underlying patterns of thought, the underlying belief systems, the often unexamined hidden assumptions and stories that animate and perpetuate our existence are usually the ones that have us do everything we can to feel safe valued and worthy and we all need a sense of dignity and a sense of belonging and a sense of safety and all that is beautiful and we all get to continually discern all right like in terms of my worldview in terms of my sense of reality, like what is it that I'm experiencing that actually is coming from a less than conscious need, an egoic need, really, and I say egoic, meaning, you know, talking about the ego, and, and what actually is coming mm-hmm. from spirit, what actually is, is a sense of not some way of being because I need to feel safe or worthy or value, but actually, what rises above when I get to look at, examine, and maybe relax my attachments to those less than conscious tendencies. What rises above? A creativity often rises above. And so when I often work with folks around their own homecoming, their own life alignment, their own journeys back home to the truth of themselves, it often is an awakening, an activation, a a reclamation of their own creative power and abundance.
0: I absolutely adore you. Jesus Christ.
1: I adore you too. I adore you too, Alex. I adore you too. Hey.
0: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That is like just the truth. And I do wonder, as your work in being a life alignment coach, which, first of all, that title is just everything, what fears often come up for folks and how do you nudge them to get a little bit more curious or as i say befriend the fear that comes up mm. with discovering the truth of the self right because it's easy to turn away how do you encourage people to turn towards so they can actually see what their truth is
1: amazing yeah befriend the fear i love that you know something that seems to be supportive for folks often is some type of impetus some type of beacon a, a kind of light that orients our attention that orients our energy that guides us to do something different and that often involves the formation or clarity of a vision and so often I find that for folks who are crossing a threshold they're entering a new relationship or exiting one or starting a new project or they just left a job or they're moving or they're overcoming illness or there's some radical transition that they're stepping to in a the process they're coming home to themselves, and in the face of that fear, where they're doing their best to befriend it, I find one starting point is to support folks to attend to a vision of their life. What do you see on the other side of this threshold? Like, what would you like to see? Mm. And let's start there <laughs> mm. and, see, and see what unfolds. At the very least, like when, when folks get to explore their own visions, they get to explore their own values, they get to explore what's important to them. And so I have no agenda for other people other than to support them to live in integrity with what's most important to them. Um, And so sometimes the space and questions and inquiry around visioning um, sometimes Mm. opens space for that.
0: How did you get into this work?
1: Well, there are a lot of ways I can answer that. I'll answer in two ways. So like a clear, easy way to answer that. And then there's a there's a messier one. So the and I'll share both briefly. So the clean one that almost seems linear, but of course, it's not because what I mean, what in life is really, I experienced this leadership fellowship experience in my early 20s, called coral, and I had a trainer. And she said something that rocked my world. She said, leaders develop leaders. Mm. And for some reason, that just activated some synapses. Is that a word? It just activated something in my brain. I was just like, that's what's up. Yes, <laughs> leaders, <laughs> developed leaders. I'm about that. What? And um, ended up pursuing that promise, that possibility, that, that sense ever since. Um, and I found myself just in different spaces, coaching, training, facilitating, either as a student or as a guide. And of course, the student never stops. Right. We're always students. So That's the <laughs> linear way. The, the messier way is about five years ago, I experienced a radical betrayal in my life, a radical betrayal from from a sense of kin. And my Mm. world just completely crumbled. And I felt completely lost and disoriented. And in that moment, I uh, found the medicine of community. Um, I was found by the medicine of writing, of drumming, of I basically did my best to grab every single modality, creative healing modality to support me in that moment of incredible loss i don't know what people call call you know people talk about rock bottom people talk about dark night of the soul like whatever it was one of those things (laughs) and in the midst of all that experimentation and that really is like the essence of what i'm sharing right now in this of that experimentation i found and was i literally got called by a coach who invited me to practice along with them and um by the name of xander zander Grashaw. and i learned a lot about the practice of creating and holding transformative learning space in that experience Mm -hmm. apprenticing and it was in that moment I realized oh this is what's up (laughs) I I like this this is Mm -hmm. there's some real mutual co-elevation happening for me and those in this space so let's get down with this and I've been doing it ever since
0: That's awesome. So let's talk about the coherence card deck, which is like a game changer for anyone who is interested in getting to the truth of who they are, to writing their truth, to examining themselves. Why the coherence card deck and what do you want it to do in the world for folks? It already has literally shifted my entire life. Y'all, I'll link it in the episode notes, but it's it's so great. It is so great and accessible. So tell us about that and, and why it came Amazing.
1: to be. Amazing. I'm getting god bumps, goosebumps all over. I just want to say, Alex, like you're, you're, you're you wish you could see the smile on my face right now. Um, <laughs> so thanks. So thanks first of all, thank you for engaging it. Yeah. Thank you for lifting it up as just a technology amongst all the many technologies we have for self-discovery. I was and continue to get curious about some of the ways the this work, this life alignment work, the work of transformation, the work of healing, the work of leadership activation, how all this type of work personal growth, whatever you want to call it, like all this type of work how can it become as accessible as possible, especially to those who have not had access to it or especially in a moment of urgent need. And I know that I'm I've this one body <laughs> that I'm in and um, It seems that there's just a limitation to how much I can do in any given day. I can't coach every single person that wants coaching from me. Thankfully, there are others that I'm working with and there are teams that I'm training to coach as well. And I've been curious about different artifacts to create in the world that can exist and that serve as bridges for people, portals for people to build their own practice not as a replacement of coaching or training or one-on-one guidance or group guidance in real time or whatever but as a complement as a supplement just as we have our own people have all types of guidance practices that they do whether it's meditation or prayer or tarot or yoga or whatever like i'm seeing this as another tool that people can include in their toolkit. I was going to say arsenal. That's so military. Like, not this is a love weapon. (laughs) Mm. Um, Just another tool, you know, doesn't necessarily depend on the physical presence of another guide, although it can be used in that context as well. And that's just another way that I use it too sometimes just to help activate conversation exploration with folks. So that's some of the ways I was thinking about it when creating it. And I hope that it is a tool for conscious, intentional practice for self-exploration and discovery, and that people use it in whatever way serves them.
0: So the deck itself, so when I first got it, let me just tell you my experience. When I first got the deck, I was so enamored by how accessible it was. Hmm. A lot of people get really like overcomplicate things. And my husband says all the time don't overtalk it, just put it down <laughs> on the page, right? Just put it down. And mm-hmm. so, having a tool, especially I'm writing my next book. And so, the coherence card deck, I share that to say that that deck is helping me unblock myself, Amazing. unblock myself emotionally, unblock myself writing wise, and it's truly a game changer. And so I wanted to know, was that your intention to create a thing that helped people unblock themselves mm. for the greater good, really? Because it's not, you know, it's not just for the self. I feel like it's really communal. And I, mm. and I, and I love that about it.
1: I'm getting so excited just hearing you talk about this because that's exactly what the intention was. One of the main intentions, like certainly, like I am not interested in doing anything in the world that supports a single individual that's only interested in their own well-being. Like I'm for and I stand for the collective optimal good, and everything that I put out in the world serves the collective optimal good. And for those who are especially in service of others, who are who are serving the collective good. Like, may this be a tool that activates, unlocks, creates space for us to make our greatest contributions to the world continually. And one of the approaches is the technology of questions. So the cards are filled with questions. And the intention wasn't to have a card deck that tells people what to think about themselves or the world or here's an archetype. And this is, I mean, I I love archetypal psychology. Um, I think different approaches to decks have different intentions. The purpose of this deck and taking the approach of asking questions comes from a belief and an understanding and a just personal experience that the insight and discovery for people that is most sticky, that usually is most lasting, the learning that is usually most transformative is the learning that's self-generated. Mm. So the questions are intended to create space for people to generate their own discovery, generate their own insight. And what better technology to do that than inquiry, than a question? So usually things open up. Not often people write books afterwards. I mean, you know, you have a particular gift, Alex. And so long as some type of space is made for people to connect more deeply with what is longing to come through in their life like that's definitely an intention Mm. and i'm so glad to hear that that's happening at the very least for you and and i hope it happens for for many more
0: i have a question you mentioned something about well how i heard it was being your own greatest teacher when it comes to you know learning and self-discovery and and even just like the things we're passionate about, how do you encourage your clients, yourself, your friends, those around you to get more curious about being their own mentor, their own guru, their own
1: expert? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Well, one of the ways I do it is by normalizing the language of leadership and destigmatizing it. Because often when I talk about leadership with others there's, there's an idea that some people have, particularly when I'm working with creatives of color or folks who have worked within institutions, organizations and nonprofits or a corporate world or whatever, there's an idea that a leader looks a certain way, that it's only a white man or it's this and that, or there's a certain image of it. And what if leadership is an art and a practice of leading our own life? What wow. if it's about actually like being in choice, Mm. What if leadership is, is resting in choice and being more choiceful and more willful for what you care most about? What mm. if that's leadership? Rather than returning to our default patterns and trauma responses, which happens. Like what if leadership is, a, is the creative act of being in choice? And, and I say that because that seems to also make accessible what it is to be one's own teacher because one's being the creator that they are. And wow. we all get to continually... We all get to continually choose where we devote our attention (laughs) and and, and we know the energy follows. So so that's one of the ways that I often find myself creating space for folks to connect with the teachers within themselves, the self-mentor within themselves, however you want to put it, is by describing it as a form of self-leadership. Leadership Yeah, what, what, what about that resonate?
0: I think it nods to I think it nods to this validation that I feel like I need sometimes around my work. Sometimes I feel really underqualified to be doing the work that I do. I don't count life experience as to expertise if that mm. makes sense.
1: Mm.
0: And I know that I, I should. But society teaches us that if you don't have a PhD, if you're not a researcher, if you're not formally educated, then you have nothing. And I know that that is really built around white supremacy. I know that that is built around quieting folks. Mm -hmm. I also do appreciate, you know, the traditional path to and through education. But I wish there was more of a balance, especially for Black folks and Indigenous folks and brown folks because our people have been educators since forever right and Mm -hmm. have been self-leading since forever and so something that I'm trying to unlearn is negative self-talk around not having enough of the quote-unquote right education to be teaching writing to heal to be um teaching moving meditation, even with my certificates and all this, it's just like, is that enough? Mm. And hearing you say self-leadership really just kind of nods to the path I'm on of exploring what it's like to use my lived experience as the pathway to helping others create their own inner wisdom Mm. and like listening to themselves and trusting ourselves. That's really what self-leadership is. It's a relationship with self-trust to me.
1: I'm so glad I asked you that question. Alex, um, wow. Yes. Yes. I'm not sure. I, I don't know how aware you are of how radical and important everything you just said is. But to to speak to the, you know, we in recent times, there's been more and more conversations in wellness spaces and social justice spaces, the language of decolonization. Mm-hmm. And if we're interested in surrendering and healing from the oppressive structures and stories we've internalized Mm -hmm. that we get to among other things look at how we define knowledge (laughs) and um, what is credible and what is not and what if the body is itself a phd carrying wisdom keeper (laughs) what if our blood our bones like we Like, wherever we have a capacity to access indigenous forms of wisdom, ancient forms of wisdom, personal lived forms of wisdom, whatever it is, like, may we completely shatter the gatekeepers of what is credible so that we allow each of us to connect with the knowledge and wisdom and medicine that each of us have been given, have inherited, have learned. We need all the medicine we can get. Any gatekeeper... (laughs) Um, or any social norm, or any cultural practice that shuts out the forms of wisdom that long to come through us, through our creative practice, through our ex- existence, like, that's got to go. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just love, I just love what you're saying. I think it's really important. And um, I hope it inspires and activates others to consider their own lives, their own lives as as forms of expertise.
0: Mm. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for asking me that question. I'll probably be pondering it for quite some time.
1: Y'all heard it here first. It'll be, you know, the ne- Alex's <laughs> next, next book, you know, rec- reclaiming the expertise of your life.
0: <laughs> Listen, Hey, that might have to be it. So as we start to wrap up our conversation, I'm curious to know what you would tell your younger self. If you were mentoring him, how would you guide him and lead him closer to himself?
1: You know, the first thing that comes up with that beautiful question is some questions and encouragement and championing around voice. I was a child who learned a lot about the importance of holding space for the voices of others and elders, and I'm grateful for that. Um, I have deep respect for the elders in my life, my parents and others, and um, I think that's a, a beautiful concern to to be sensitive to the wisdom that passes down um, from prior generations and one thing that i would have told myself or i tell my younger self is that you too have a voice you too have something to say you too have needs and desires and curiosities and um, having a voice doesn't preclude the possibility of respecting others you, you need not silence yourself in order to be accepted in society. What if your birthright is actually to voice your truth? Mm. What if you actually are here to, to actually speak? <laughs> and I say that to a young child who uh, listened always before speaking. Mm. And I'm grateful for that. I probably wouldn't be the coach and facilitator that I am today if I didn't have all those years of self-silencing.
0: Whoa. Okay, hold on. Before we go... <laughs> self-silencing. Can you talk about that?
1: I grew up in a culture and in certain conditions and spaces and school and home and elsewhere that what you say must make others happy. That's just something that I learned at an early age. And I'm grateful for that. Because again, it's taught me and it's shaped part of my empathic muscles. (laughs) And so many people that that I work with, um, it's amazing how often we find ourselves spinning in self-storytelling that we don't know enough or that our truth isn't worthy or that what we have to offer isn't actually legitimate or it it won't actually ensure that we'll be accepted. And we end up quieting our own truth. We end up silencing our own truth. We end up withholding our sense of what's so for the sake of making room for another. and. That happens, and sometimes these are traumatic responses, these are default choices that we make. And I'm very much interested and in the business of supporting people to reclaim their own voice, to reclaim their own sense of a authenticity of who they are and what they're here to give in the world that need not be censored, that need not be edited, that actually longs to roam free and wild, (laughs) in the world. And I say that because so many folks I work with, they don't have to worry about offending other people. They don't have to worry about stomping over other people. They don't have to worry about it because Mm. they've been trained to quiet themselves and contort themselves to fit into and to assimilate into white supremacist, patriarchal, capitalist culture. And so part of the work is to reclaim a voice that's silenced in order to fit into this culture and to instead consider we get to create a new one we get to create a new alternative world and that requires not silencing your truth it requires actually voicing it
0: thanks for listening to the show today please rate subscribe and review also feel free to share with a friend we love having our community grow music is by dc's own kokai